Alrighty then. Hello, hello again. I am welcoming you to another fireside chat. A, a conversation with Open Lines Radio. This is Hannah Smith of Friends. AKA Roadside Shaman on Instagram. And I actually have a fire by our fireside chat today. Gals and pals, friends and neighbors. Critters and beasties. All of y'all, I'm working on expanding my uh, gender neutral or what have you types of uh, terms of endearment or I don't know what you call those little monikers, you know, like in lieu of just saying ladies and gentlemen, you know, because I think... <clears throat> We're kind of beyond that phraseology at this point, I would hope. I would hope. I would hippity-hop hope that we're beyond ladies and gentle lands. You know what I mean? Which one am I going to do? I'm not sure which sigil is for today because I've been very discombobulated because of the whole medical sitch <laughs> last week my 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 whole uh, rhythms are a little wackadoodle right now because of that well that's just not going to even happen is it huh interesting that's a teeny tiny little chunk of palo santo it you know what less is more I think that's the lesson of the day today, everyone. I mean, I definitely learned that lesson with my bout of uh, cellulitis and overcoming it without relying on the heavy hitters of antibiotics, um, Western medicine. I used, you know, an abundance of my own modalities, you know, integrative wellness but I didn't I didn't even darken the door of a western medical facility I didn't even call the nurse hotline <laughs> I didn't even look on WebMD <laughs> did I? I don't think that was one of the articles I looked at I did I did use the internet I did you know research some uh, good choices for uh cultist amendments or specific essential oils to use. It was funny because every single one I intuitively wanted to use to intervene with, when I went back and checked and, you know, read in my resource books or in the different website articles that I'd read, they were confirmed. It was just like one, two, three, four, five, all the different ones that I was interested in using. Uh, uh, they were all relevant. Um, so, hooray for intuition. Uh, 
it's 9.39. Oh my gosh, the numbers, the numbers today have been just all day. That's why I decided to just go ahead and start recording because um, the numbers were basically too good. I feel so in flow. I feel so synchronistic. And I feel particularly synchronistic synchronistic with the um, beings connected with Open Lines Radio. Like everyone that seems to be tied into Open Lines Radio, Art Bell is dead. I, uh, I just, I am in flow with that. I feel like even in what I'm thinking about, I'll listen to a show and I feel like they're talking about what I've been thinking about. <laughs> I'm like, how is this possible? Like the intro or outro music will be stuff that I've been playing in my YouTube, you know, rotation or the stuff that they, um, the lyrics of, of new musicians that I've never even heard will be relevant to, um, something I was just studying or, or res resonating with or meditating on or whatever, or like, okay, so like, do you want a really obvious synchronicity? Like trip out? Like what the heck? <laughs> this is like one of those whoa things so like <clears throat> I have a piece written called the uh, uh, miracle uh, of a Millican Mulligan or something like that um, it's basically like magical do-over you know infinite chances kind of thing and the reason why I named it Millikan is because that's a family name of mine. Like, it's my um, father's mother's maiden name. It's my grandmother's birth name, maiden name. It's my great-grandmother's married name. It's a family name. So, um, Millikan is just a really significant name and word to me. And I, you know, I resonate with it a lot because not only is a family name I mean Gogo my great-grandmother Dorothy um Dorothy Bingham Milligan is that right yeah I'm not doing it right it was Barbara Bingham Milligan Smith yeah so Dorothy Bingham Milligan right I did it right woohoo I love it when I do that sometimes my brain tricks me into thinking that I've misspoken something because my brain and mouth don't ever speak the same words at the same time. Like my brain is speaking five different conversations and just one happens to make it through the motor pathways to work out through my mouth hole. Cause <laughs> that's how I roll. <laughs> that's hyperverbal, hyperlexic, hypo, hypo. Do you guys watch that Mike's, Mike Myers sketch from uh, SNL? where he's like playing a like a overactive young child who's kind of tethered to a piece of playground equipment you know playing in the sand covered in chocolate base I don't know it's one of my favorite sketches from him I, if I look back at it now I'd probably be horrified because it's full of all kinds of ableist tropes or I don't know what but anyways tangent hello I love it when that happens um <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Let me take a little sip of my coffee. Help. <clears throat> Clear out my throat chakra, whatever that was. Oddness that was working through there. 
let me just say Milliken to, to get back on track to where, where I was discussing the synchronicity, the fact that I am in flow in such a intimate way with the individuals, the beings, the collectives that are um, resonating with Open Lines Radio is uh, it's ineffable. <laughs> it's just I mean, wow. So family name is Milliken listening to Open Lines Radio live stream <laughs> as you do or as I do, as we do, as we hope that more would do, as we hope that more would, you know, add on the Mixler app to their phone and listen in live, listen in to that live stream. The synchronistic blessing of, of hearing it happen live and being part of that supportive audience and lending your energy as an audience member to that collective experience Oh, it just, it's so affirming. It's so satisfying. I can't listen live every time. You know, we can't. We, we do try, but we have other obligations. And we have some uh, technology issues at times that interfere, intervene. Uh, like many of our cohort, we have um, electricity, electromagnetic issues. And so we seem to have a strong impact on our electrical equipment. And when strong signals are connecting through, it's sort of like don't cross the streams, you know, we sort of short each other out, sort of like, if you can imagine Harry and Voldemort using their wands to battle each other, and they would always, like, go wackadoodle, and it's kind of like that, sometimes the act of me signing on to something causes my phone to, like, shut out, like, it shuts down, and then I can't use that app at all, because it's all, nope, that is too much current, so um, some people do experience those kinds of interruptions. And I'm just saying, <laughs> if you sign up for Mixler, you could at least have the choice of opting in and seeing if maybe you could be a part of that supportive web of audience that is so important when we're engaging in these kinds of, um, especially when they do the, the live uh, interviews or when they do the live stream of um, the live streams of musicians or or concerts and things they do quite a bit of that they do quite a bit of music on open lines radio it's not all just talky talk it's not all just woo woo talky talk okay you hear that people tell a friend we got loads of our radical music these people have amazing taste in music i found so many beautiful musicians from their uh um um uh, I was going to say, uh, not conducting, they're conjuring, sure, they're, uh, oop, bling, sorry about the ding, I forgot to do the airport mode again, dang it, um, <clears throat> apologies to sensitive ears if the ding is annoying, and pray it blesses you with some sort of, um, you know, sonic alignment and zone of healing through you instead of discord and I will try to remember to do the airplane mode before I go to press record does anyone notice me speaking in rhyme more lately boy howdy this is weird (laughs) 
Oh, Milliken. So, the connection is the family name, the Milliken, the Open Lines Radio, and the live stream listening, which I was doing, and I heard a band that I just immediately fell in love with. I just, I love their stuff. Called the Gorgeous Knights. Like K-N-I-G-H-T-S. Like, like, you know, Knight in Shining Armor Knights. The Gorgeous Knights. They're an L.A. band, apparently. Um, and they had a song entitled Milliken Lane. Milliken Lane. And so I'm sitting here listening to my dear friends. And I'm there going, I'm going to listen in live and support my friends, Mark and Holly, their new creative venture, you know, they're building. I want to be in the audience. I want to be cheering. I want to be applauding. I want to be encouraging. I want to be exhorting, you know. And what do I hear back? What do I hear back? I hear my own name being sung in the most beautiful, beautiful tones. I hear my own ancestors dancing in jubilation. I mean, like, I go there to support them and I get the blessing. Like, what is that? That's synchronicity, gals and pals, germs and worms. <laughs> oh, nerds and birds. <laughs> That's the synchronistic blessing of being in flow. You go there to serve, to offer, to be giving, you know. You go there to bless and you get such a blessing. So much more multiplied, multiples upon multiples upon multiples of overflowing blessing come back at you. That's what it is to be in synchronistic flow. That's what it means when the numbers align. Boom, boom, boom. One after another. When you know you're in flow and you get your messages, you know, you get those tingles. You get all your, you know, green lights on the way to work. You get all your files in the right order, you know, in your inbox. You know, you get, you get all of your, you know, right cuts of meat delivered at the restaurant. You, you know when you're in flow. You know when you're shifting your gaze towards the optimistic. You know when you're in a good mood, when things are turning right. You feel it because everything you put out comes back at you. Blessed beyond measure. Multiplied, fractaled out, iteratively divided like you know, loaves and fishes before the hands of Christ, you know, that dude was good with knife skills and he had knowledge of quantum physics for sure and certain. I, I, I figured that's how he, she, they, whatever gender pronoun Jesus preferred back then and in Hebrew. I don't even know. Does Hebrew have gender pronouns? I bet they do. They must. Sure they do. A lot of, a lot of those languages older languages have gendered pronouns that's that's not that weird in Chickasaw language 
Chikashash Anompa. It is the uh, woman is Ihu. 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 Woman. Milliken. My great grandmother. My go go. They sang your name. It was my grandma Barbara's name. Barbara Bingham Milliken Smith. It was her name until she married my grandpa. It was her unique name until she took on that, you know, very neutral, utilitarian, earthbound name of Smith. Five strong letters. How many Smiths have there been in the world? So many. And that's like a Hydra. That line can't be struck out, even if we tried. <laughs> like Genghis Khan. Oh, fun facts. Here we go. This is how, this is how the mind works. Did y'all know that according to genetic scientists... You know, people mapping the human genome, people that are interested in that sort of thing, have determined that somewhere around the neighborhood of 20%, in other words, one out of every five male humans is descended from Genghis Khan. That's 20%. One out of every five humans is in some degree descended from Genghis Khan. That dude did some serious conquering. I mean, our code still tells tales of that dude. Our bones still, you know, walk on his feet. That, that's powerful. That's a powerful force within humanity. One person, one life, one lap. You can leave that kind of impact. <laughs> Christ had that kind of impact. Buddha had that kind of impact. Muhammad had that kind of impact. You know, ripples, resonance, rings out. What I want to know is, where are the names of the women? Where are the, where are the, you know, the ungendered, middle land, two-spirit names of our ancestors? They're stricken out, you know? The wiped out, the ones that are rewritten. The unnamed, renamed, overnamed. I, I had a really interesting thought when I was um, talking with Deborah Mars of Deborah Mars Venus by Mars jewelry on Instagram and she also does um, I mean jewelry is such a simple label for what it is that she does that's like the most tip top like picture an iceberg and if the word jewelry was at the top then the iceberg underneath is like this amazing multi-dimensional intergalactic, cosmic, angelic 
earthly, mystical, creative, intelligent, powerful, lightworker, healer, intuitive, guide, artisan, just, I mean, I'm trying to think of all of the words that describe this being, historian, visionary, you know, just woman, <laughs> God, goddess incarnate in woman. So Deborah Mars uh, is descended from uh, Russian aristocracy. Her, I think it was her great-grandmother, was trapped there during the transition, during the, you know, when they killed the Tsar and all that, you know, took down all of the aristocracy. There's a lot of um, executions and and just terrible things happened to those families. Um, I mean, terrible things were done by those families. Let's not mistake, you know, I mean, I won't say categorically because, you know, you can't say that categorically about any group of humans or any individual human. Um, but I would say terrible things were done by the aristocracy and terrible things were done to the aristocracy in its disillusionment. So she uh, survived the um, desecration of her own family by playing dead when the soldiers, I guess, mowed down the whole lot of them. She was very young. I don't recall the age exactly that Deborah said, but the emotion of the story was like, you know, all of those movies that you've seen of, you know, soldiers coming and wiping people out and someone hiding at the bottom and surviving in a terrible way. I mean, this is a real life resilience, triumph and trauma that, that sings through Deborah's bones. And we sat at the table and shared that story while we spoke of my grandfather's tribulations as a POW in World War II. And uh, I was thinking of my great-grandmother, Gogo, during that time. And I don't know why, but the whole idea of grandparents and violence and trauma and resilience and triumph and what they've survived it all kind of crystallized in my mind when I was researching the Morteros moon that I promised I would tell you guys a tale of today. Um, and I think I might, if I even end up with enough time to do it, I have to look at the time and see how long I've been yammering on. Oh, good. So I do have time to get into the research. That's good. So, um, I, I was researching for the discussion on the Morteros moon, and I was unfortunately um, in one of the tales of uh, genocide, a massacre here in California of um, some of the indigenous tribes that were here before the um, settlers and colonizers wiped them out um, very methodically. Uh, California history is riddled with terrible acts of genocide. 
And if you don't understand that about the history of this place, then please read a little bit about the indigenous history of California and the coastal area. It's quite horrific in the understanding of it. Um, so I was reading one of these stories this morning and I read about a little girl, I think she's a member of the Pomo people, where 400 men, women, children were slaughtered. She survived, one of the very few survivors, by hiding in a river and breathing through a reed. Well, you can tell how close to home that hit me, given all of the breath work and underwater messages and stuff from the past few um, podcasts and somatic healing experiences that I've channeled through and worked through in my body. Um, they've all been centered about um, this trauma of being held underwater and you know not being able to breathe properly, etc. So that combined with thoughts of grandparents, you know, ancestors and descendants. And I just pictured all the things that we in this generation are transmuting for our very, 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 very traumatized ancestors. Because we do endure a lot here on this plane, but there's a lot that our, our ancestors have endured that we don't even are, we don't even consider we're not aware of. So I just... I was thinking of the resilience that Deborah was bearing out in her bones. I was thinking of the resilience that my father and mother were bearing out in their bones. I was thinking of the resilience that I was bearing out in my bones. And I, I can only tell you I am walking beyond the afterworld. I have my glorified body as described in the Bible I grew up reading. I feel like I, I have the power of that great physician, you know, that healing, that spiritual power of healing, that energetic healing, you know, chi, reiki, you know, whatever you want to call that. vibes juju it's there it's flowing through me so clear so clean it's like any momentary doubt <coughs> or hesitation and <coughs> you hear that <coughs> you hear that come up immediately even mentioning the doubt and the throat goes yeah let's get that out <laughs> and there's the rhyme again what's that about <laughs> Oh, man. The point is, this body is flowing clear and strong and well and vital. And I'm feeling that transmutation. I'm feeling the healing and the resilience of my ancestors and what I'm transmuting into the legacy of our descendants. I'm feeling that on, like, such a deep, quantum, infinite, fractaled out multi-being level and I'm integrating it into my oneness, my samadhi, my my body entire 
I just, I just can't say enough about how important it is to share our stories of our resilience, <clears throat> the things that we've overcome, <clears throat> not to dwell on them and not to boast, but to encourage, to embolster, to challenge, to transform, to transmute, to release. I follow an artist on Instagram called Bang Han Kim, B-H, I'm sorry, let me try to do this right, B-A-H, and you know what, I'm going to look it up because the worst thing I could do is misspell the name and not be able to let you find them. That would be just, that would be a suck, so let's not do that. It is Bang Han If someone has a name that you're not familiar with because it's outside of your cultural or generational awareness or understanding, just ask how it's pronounced and practice. It, it does a great disservice to mispronounce someone's name. And I say that from someone who comes from bearing one of the most commonly spoken and spelled names in <clears throat> In my culture, Hannah Smith is the name I grew up with. And I would get so frustrated and irritated if people called me Hannah. I hated it. Hannah. Or if they called me Hannah, but when they were spelling my name, they forgot one of my N's or one of my H's. I would get so upset. And Smith, that would never really be misspelled, but some or mispronounced, but sometimes people would ask if it had a Y or ask if it had an E at the end or stuff. And I'm like, no, just Smith, like Smith, like just Smith, like, and I would get frustrated with like the fact that why doesn't everybody spell their name that way? And then I, you know, learn to appreciate the variability, but also cling to the uniqueness of my particular name. Because at the time I grew up, it wasn't as common as it is now. Now it's like been in the top five for you know, a decade or more, you know, started in, when I was in college is when Hannah became a popular name. When I was born and when I was in school all the way up until college, it was such an uncommon name that I, I never knew anyone else with my name. There was one family friend that had a daughter named Hannah, but they went by Hannah. And so that cohort sometimes called me Hannah. And so I said, don't like those people but you know I mean fine it's just I like them but you know what I mean like they irritated me because they'd always call me Hannah oops Hannah Hannah I mean oops Hannah that's what they called me my name with them was Hannah oops I mean Hannah <laughs> I mean it's just frustrating is the point so the point is if somebody has a name that you're not super familiar with take the time to pronounce it correctly learn how to pronounce it correctly and and spell it correctly and and just give them that honor give them the grace don't just say oh it's close enough it's it's not close enough it's not their name you're just talking you're just using a generic random word you know if they offer you a comfortable pseudonym that's a nickname a moniker that they prefer or whatever that's one thing 
but don't don't shorten simplify ba- you know anglicize bastardize in some way edit someone's name just don't do it take a little bit of of time and effort to look into someone's eyes and mind and heart and consciousness and know their true name know them by their name that they are comforted in hearing and soothed in hearing speak that name back to them and they they will they will bless you in return they will be blessed in in that experience so anyways that's a long little jog to talk about names, which is Bong Han Kim. So the spelling is B-A-N-G-H-A-N-K-I-M. That's on Instagram. Bong Han Kim. B-A-N-G-H-A-N-K-I-M. Bong Han Kim. They are an amazing amazing intuitive artist, medicine woman, healer, um, mama. They're raising a toddler right now. So they're very, you know, raw, open, vulnerable. Sleep deprivation can do a number to one's uh, emotional filters. So their work is just, I mean, I feel every ancestor I have in their work. And I mean, I'm not Korean that I'm aware of. I I don't know that I have any Korean ancestry in my uh, lineage. But boy, howdy, do I feel my ancestors dancing through their work, transmuting, grieving, wailing, fighting, stomping, lashing out, loving, caressing, bleeding, cavorting. I mean, they just do it all in her, in her charcoal and gilding and watercolors and blood. Like her work just sings all the stories of all of our ancestors all the time. So go check them out. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. Their art is healing stuff changing things moving worlds it's epigenetic it's fucking epigenetic it's epigenetic it's epigenetic (laughs) bong han kim epigenetic art (laughs) period the end be about it oh lord so yeah i'm just all up in the ancestral space and i am feeling all of it and i'm Hearing all of my ancestors sing all of our stories all of the time, all of the time, all the time, all the time. So when I said that I would look up and read you the story, I was envisioning finding a really good, you know, section to read from some article or book that I had. And that ended up being a really unsatisfactory way to relate this meaning because it's a lunar sigil and... The significance of it can't really be dialed down into someone else's perspective of history. So I'm going to tell you this tale in the way that it makes sense to me 
it's an oral history, so I'm going to just tell you my version. The Morteros are what is in English called a mortar and pestle. It's the rounded out hollow uh, that develops in a stone when it is used repeatedly over, you know, many, 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 many thousands of uses, sometimes for thousands of years in a row, uh, to grind various material, various plant material, seeds, nuts, grains, uh, fibers for weaving, um, maybe pounding out hides, and um, you can use them for uh, pounding out medicines or minerals for, uh, you know, markings or um, sealant building materials like it's just anything that you would need mortar to make a paste to make a poultice you use morteros so morteros moon is about that and the history of the morteros is beautiful powerful but it's also a lesson and it's it's something that we really we can learn so much from it because when you grind your food in stone something happens a bit of the stone is also then added to the food because it's in the process of grinding up some of the stone is also ground up and lost and commingled with that food. There's also different stones have a different uh, grit or ability to break different types of grains or nuts or seeds or materials down appropriately um, to varying degrees. Different stone, different seeds, nuts, grains, etc. have to be broken down and processed in very specific ways in order to make them nutritive for human digestion. Uh, the example that I'm the most familiar with is the example for my locality, Kumeyaay, um, that area. Fallbrook is like, you know, San Diego County, but somewhat inland. And so the little mountains of the chaparral like the foothills and whatnot <clears throat> where the the california live oak um grows and there's acorns they fall down they're collected they're harvested and then those acorns are ground up in the morteros is one of the primary staple foods a major source of protein and nutrients and they made their bread with it so I've been having this weird phrase of grind their bones to bake their bread, grind their bones to bake their bread, just because it's that old nursery rhyme about, uh, uh, I think it's like the the giant, James the Giant Beanstalk, because he's up there and he goes, Fee-fi-fo-fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman. You know, whether he whether he's 
lie or whether he did uh, grind his bones to bake my bread or something like that, right? I can't remember all the lyrics, but the that has just been resonating. That grind their bones to bake my bread, grind their bones to bake my bread. That refrain was just popping through my mind consciously. It's just like, you know, people call that a, a clear audience message when you keep hearing something over and over again. Um, sure, getting a, a earworm, song stuck in your head, whatever. It's just been chasing me ever since um, Mortero's Moon began. And it's just, I think it's just a message for us now to understand that paying attention to what our body needs right now, the world we're living in now, and how we're processing our food and where we're getting our food and how we're sourcing our food, it matters. It matters so much. That's what this moon is about. Because when they did that, they gathered up those acorns, they ground them up. Well, they had to grind them to a certain degree of fineness and they had to rinse them a certain number of times in order to get these toxins out in order to make the material digestible and actually beneficial you know that would put in more nutrients and calories than it was leaching out of them it would take less caloric load to digest it than it did to ingest it right so that's why all of this grinding and processing is done with these materials Unfortunately, different things happen. So um, people move when weather changes, when crops die out, when waters get dammed up or, you know, canyons get logged over by, you know, beavers or whatever. Like the human populations for millennia lived in this area and, you know, lived all over, I'm talking about all over Southern California. Now, out in the Salton Sea, there used to be a, a lake um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but the point is it was like a big, huge lake that people lived around by thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The, the indigenous people lived out there for thousands of years, and it dried up, and so they had started moving away from that area around 1700 um and in and it was that area was dry until the salton sea incident of 1905 or 6 where you know the levee burst and that area was flooded and created the salton sea prior to that when this giant lake bed dried up it was just they just moved out it was it was deserted it was desert and so it was then deserted uh so these people left and they took their technology with them to a different land and they took their processes and their preferred foods and things that they like to eat and they're in a different area. So I think that happened everywhere. It did, and not just because of climate change like that, but then it obviously much more dramatically and forcibly um, and concretely it was done through settler practices, colonial practices, and just, yes, that just, that genocide shifted things too. It wasn't just climate change and, you know, natural mi migratory patterns. It was the outside forces of um, colonial capitalist structures. So 
you just envision someone who's taking some like tiny little grass seed that they used to grind on, you know, limestone. And then now they're taking an acorn and grinding it on granite. Well, maybe they didn't quite have all the kinks worked out. Maybe they didn't have quite all of the uh, chemical pathways figured out. They didn't have enough practice because that's what these practices were. They were practices. Everyone in the community did did this food um, uh, manufacture. Everyone took a turn in this work. Everyone was invested in making sure the food was good and correct and right because everyone was making it. Everyone was eating it, so everyone was making it. Everybody had skin in the game, man. And so if they were moved, if they were separated, if they were mixed up, if they had to take the plants that they like to eat and grind them on rocks they're not used to, or they take new plants they're not used to eating and grind them on rocks they're familiar with, like, it messes things up. Maize, corn, right? For instance, ground with lye, soaked, you know, soaked in lye and then ground before it's eaten and digested. Some things are sprouted, right? Then ground. Some things are boiled, then ground. Some things are ground, then boiled and rinsed and boiled and rinsed and then fried. Some, you know, it's like every... Every one of these grains or nuts or seeds or, or fruits around the world, tubers, rhizomes, all the weird, bizarre uh, material that humans have learned to consume and ingest in a way that fuels them and doesn't toxify them or drain them, it takes practice. That's why we know, oh, you don't eat just any mushrooms sticking up out of the ground. You can, you know you have to eat the mushrooms that are safe. We know that because there have been enough people who have accidentally eaten the wrong mushroom that caused a cascading chain of malnutrition that they couldn't escape from and they literally starved to death no matter how much they ate. That happened enough times that people got the memo, right? But if people round you up with guns and say you must live in this area now and here here's your ration of food that we're offering you here's your sack of flour or here's your bag of rice or whatever right stay here and you try to use your practices that you know are healing and nutritional and have fed your family and your people for generations and you try to use that with these different materials and these different ingredients and all of a sudden you get sick and start dying off earlier you start developing cancers your teeth start rotting out of your head you start having panic attacks and addiction problems well what what is the the cause of that what is the fault of that do you blame the indigenous people for the disappearing? Surely not. That's like poisoning rats in a cage and blaming them for eating the food they were given. 
these people, the few that were left after the massacre, I mean, they were tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. And I'm not talking about accidental. This is genocide, okay? This is like a bounty program. This is like the government sending their soldiers to wipe out villages with children living in them. Just say, we don't want any more Indians here now because we have gold, so get the fuck out. That's what the American government did. That's what white people did. That's what European colonizers did. That's what the church did. That's what the Christian church did. That's what the missionaries did. The missionary... Oh, God. Am I going to really talk about the missionary system right now? Let's not do that. Let's not. Let's not do that right now. I'm going to save that for another day because get really upset with the fact that the the California missions system is a key feature still of elementary education history and they in no way in no way appropriately acknowledge the genocide and desecration of Hunuparacero and the uh, legacy of all of the missions and the Catholic priests and the soldiers that were here the forces that basically wreaked genocide on this entire region. And they take, they take no mention of it. They don't talk about it. You know, oh, yes, there was, you know, violence. They whitewash it, and it makes me sick. And I want, I want them to get a legitimate education about, you know, the indigenous people of this land and what was done to them in the name of Christ but actually for the force of capitalism. It makes me so mad. I don't want to leave on a mad note because I started the day in perfect flow, very happy indeed. And I'm not going to allow this to change my mood. And that means it's time to pray for Uncle Gordon. Oh, it's 10.25, 10.26. That's exactly it because I think this procedure starts in just a couple minutes. My uncle is down here having... Uh, important procedure to restore his function um, and and wellness to his body and help him thrive and he's a very vital strong service-minded active individual and so we're just calling in every bit of restoration transformation transmutation healing I mean it's like going to be a miracle cure of future medicine happening for him today no complications, only miracles. Make it so. That was my ancestor doing that for me. My living ancestor. I have a living ancestor. Do you know that? Do you have lots of living ancestors like me? I do. I think anybody that you honor and respect and want to emulate and want to uh, claim as family becomes your ancestor because all your families are your ancestors. And so my auntie, my great aunt, my queenie, flawless, my aunt Phyllis, she brought a beautiful mood correction trick to me, which is you're, you're feeling something and it just waves over you and she, she, this is what she does. She, goes, she makes a pronouncement. She puts her hand out, right? And she just goes, I am not going.
going to allow this to affect my mood. And then she takes her hand and she smooches her hand. Mwah! And then she touches that smooch to her own side of her own face. It's like she, she literally gives herself a kiss on the cheek. She, she soothes herself. She calms herself down with that phrase and that blessing. And I just, she, she taught me that and ever since she taught me that I, I have loved it and I've passed it out like candy to people. So, um, I actually gave it to uncle Gordon last night at the dinner table because we were talking about his procedure today and preparation and everything. And I'm like, well, this, this is what we do for a little bit feeling some nervous or whatever. This is how it goes. You say to yourself, I am not going to allow this to affect my mood. Mwah. Mm. Thank you, Queenie. Anti-Phyllis, anti-flawless. So that's a blessing for sure and certain. And I'm sure that procedure is going to be awesome. And the fact that I thought of it right when he's supposed to go in and I was calling for a way to get out of this moment of frustration. It's also related. It's also in flow. It's also just indic in indic indicative. That's how you say that word. It's all indicative. <laughs> indicative of how much in flow we are. How much in sync we are. We're in synchronicity. We are in synchronicity. The veils are thin, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sound like cabaret uh, MC just then, didn't I? Willkommen, bienvenue, welcome. Yeah. That's why. Because there's a heaviness for those ancestors that are so fresh. I think about the synagogue, the tree of life, and the eleven lost, and all of the catalysts of rage that this mindset of this age has wreaked. And I am beside myself. I honor those 11. And all the others. I honor the two from the grocery store two days before. I honor Yemen. And all the settlements. I honor all those stuck in camps. I, I honor all those incarcerated. And I speak the name of Gaspar, who I long to be loosed as quickly as possible. I honor those separated from their loved ones or who 
feel like they are, even though I know the truth in reality is we are all always together. We are all always one. <clears throat> it's only our attentional focus that shifts that. But I honor those that feel that separation, for I too have felt it at times, and it is a grievous feeling. So I honor that, and I honor them, and I honor they, and I honor us, and I honor we. We. So that's what it is to be in the Morteros moon. It's about the grinding up and the history and the poultice and the medicine and the people that are here in my locality and how they lived and why they died. And if that's not enough of a reason to name a moon, well, y'all better give me some ideas then. Morteros, mortar, poultice. Paste. Paste. <laughs> Don't eat the paste. That's the message from kindergarten, right? Everything we needed to know, we learned in kindergarten. So why don't you guys all go take some more naps? eat some more snacks and be kind to one another for I do love you all so deeply means hello I will see you as the Chickasaw have no word for goodbye Broke down, thought that I would drown Hoped that I'd been found Before I hit the ground Sun is at the corner of my eye Yeah Saw you weeping, saw you creeping Saw you sneaking in the shadows Long, I feel so strong Saw you at the corner of my eye